Hello, twin listeners. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the Sisters Edition with Ariane Smith and Tiffany Hales. We are happy to be here in January. Yes, we are. We have made it through the holidays. Yes. New Year. Our children are all back in school, which is even better. Yes. <laughs> Schedules have returned. Order is restored mm. to the universe. <laughs> it's so, so nice. <laughs> it's been really good. New year, new goals. My new goal this year has been a do-over on Come Follow Me. Oh, okay. So do share. Well, we just, I wouldn't say we failed miserably last year, but we failed like moderately last year. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> like, I wouldn't say we failed miserably because it's not like we didn't ever try. We tried, but we were not as consistent in trying okay. as we needed so to be. So consistency was an issue. Yes. Okay. Consistency was an issue and finding a way that worked for us was an issue, but I am determined Okay. this year that we are going to get it together. And so far we have for three weeks in a row so far. Okay. Well, I'm very <laughs> proud of you because we've only done one of the three weeks. So tell me, what are you doing to maintain consistency? What, what have you changed this year Aside from right. your, I'm going to make it a priority. Right. Well, our church schedule changed, and I actually think that has worked in our benefit. Okay. We, you we were now, on 12 to 2. Yeah, we were on 12 to 2. Now we're 9 a.m. So that gives us the entire day after church full of options. Okay. Um, because our plan last year, where we mostly failed, was okay. our plan was to do it before church. And I remember you telling me that, and I remember <laughs> thinking to myself, although not vocally expressing it to you, that seems a little cray-cray. Like at 11. And so that failed, like... A lot of the time. And then so sometimes we would try to flip it and do it like in the evening. That also failed a lot okay, of the time. Fair enough. <laughs> so so that now our new plan is we can do it at 1.30. Okay. After we come home from church, everybody's fed, put the baby down for a nap. Oh, yeah. We've also discovered hugely benefits us in okay. our plan. Because is he just a little terrorist during Come Follow Me? He's into everything. Like, okay. And nobody can concentrate because the girls are obsessed with him. So well, he is pretty funny to watch. Whatever you're saying, they're not listening because they're like, come here, come here, come see me. Ah. <laughs> so, uh, so we put him down for a nap. We're doing it after lunch. We're sitting at the table this time, okay. which we didn't try last year. We tried on the couch. Maybe it was a little too cash. Okay, fair <laughs> so enough. we're trying. The table is a little more formal. Not that we're trying to be formal, but everybody has a seat. Okay. And everybody has a place for their scriptures. Okay. Well, and I, I it, you know, it kind of then feels like schoolish. So yeah, I can see how that would make your kids a little bit more focused. Yeah. So. And like you said, especially with the baby down, he'll, he'll have to catch the Book of Mormon in four years. Yes. <laughs> Well, my big New Year's goal has been just to declutter my house. Oh, I love that. You know, and and honestly, my least favorite month is the month of January. I hate the month of I January. Do too. January's rough. Christmas is over with. It's cold outside. The days are short, so you don't have much sun sunshine. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's just nothing not, to look forward to. There's nothing to, to look forward to. Like the letdown after Christmas. Exactly. And- exactly. So I decided that I was going to declutter my house. And so this is kind of how I've looked at it uh-huh. as I have been. <clears throat> excuse me. I'm getting over a cold. Let me take a drink there and see if I can clear that, clear that frog. <laughs> um, 
I've tried to look at it in terms of, I just, I, I've wanted to be ruthless. Mm-hmm. And so I have looked at it in terms of, if I were to have to pack this room up tomorrow, what would I pack? What would I throw away? Mm-hmm. What would I give away? Because there's really nothing like moving yes. that makes you purge your stuff. That's a very good like mindset to put yourself in. Yes. I have also been going through my, I get this urge every January to just rip through my cupboards and organize and take things out. And I've been doing that like crazy. And my husband last week was like, what's going on with you? (laughs) He was like, are you pregnant? Because I also do this like the entire nine months that I'm pregnant. And I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. It's just January. I do this every January. (laughs) So that's too funny. Have you... Have you completed? Are you still on a rampage? I started with my closet because that's Uh always a logical place to start because, um, as you know, I am a clothes horse, and so there are lots of clothes in my closet. And so I tried to go through and really purge this time in in Mm -hmm. terms of like, okay, I love this shirt, but let's face it, I'm never going to fit into it. Mm -hmm. Let's get rid of it. You know, because every woman in their closet has the clothes that are too small, Mm -hmm. the clothes that are too big, and the clothes that are just right. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you are you know, sizing in between there. Mm -hmm. So I just decided to just purge a ton of stuff. What's really sad is after I purged it, I looked at my closet because I think I had four huge garbage sacks full of clothes to take Mm -hmm. to the DI. And I'm like, wow, it doesn't look like I did anything. (laughs) That's very unsatisfying. It was very unsatisfying. (laughs) But, um, so I purged my closet and then I started on my dresser and I got a ton of stuff cleaned out of my dresser. I'll tell you what the most satisfying room was. And again, I'm just kind of I'm just kind of doing it ad hoc. The laundry room. I had Ooh. I have a really small laundry space. Mm-hmm. And so I just went through and just purged everything in there that wasn't necessary. Got a smaller basket in there because what we do is the kids each keep their own laundry in their own room. Mm-hmm. But then I keep one basket in there for like towels. Right. And so because I'm always continually probably doing two or three loads of towels a week as soon as the basket gets full. And so I had this really large standing basket that blocked everything. So I got rid of the standing basket got a small square basket, cleaned off everything on my counter so I could put it on the counter. And now my laundry room is like so much more organized and it's, it's just delightful. That's a good feeling. It's a wonderful feeling. So I am still going to continue to go room by room and purge. And uh, uh, right now I have a huge pile in my garage. I'm like, okay, I've got to load up for the DI here pretty soon. I know. I'm sure this is the time of year where the DI probably has to bring in extra staff. Exactly. Because <laughs> it's busy and all the thrift stores. Yeah. All right. Well, with the first of the year, as you and I both know, because we have daughters that are in young women, it has brought significant changes to both young women and young men, but more so to young women than young men. Yes. So. As we know, we got rid of scouting. Scouting is in our in our in our past. We 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 turn around to look at scouting, not forward to look at scouting. Right. Although my husband was telling me today that there is an independently organized scout troop that people in our stake can participate in for the next two years uh-huh. if they want to get their kids through scouting. Oh, just thrown together by 
parents. I, in I your guess stake. so. I don't know. It's not sponsored by the church, of course. Right. And so I assume it was thrown together by the parents in the stake. But I thought that was very interesting. It is interesting. And will it live on? Well, supposedly, supposedly it's just for two years, oh. and that's it. So I don't know. basically, they're saying don't join this troop unless you're yeah well into it because we're not gonna. Exactly. We're not going to see you through. We're not going to see you through. <laughs> That's interesting. So anyway, so, um, you know, obviously some of the changes that were announced last year were the changes to young women's. Mm-hmm. And we have long hated the monikers of Beehive, My Maid, and Laurel. And President Nelson announced in October conference, be ye gone. Those would be gone by the first of the year. And he left it at the October conference as very kind of loosey-goosey in terms of structure and just basically said, y'all can pray about it and figure out what works for your ward. Right. And And this has thrown some people into a tizzy. (laughs) Well, it's so interesting because I think in general, everybody, like nobody super loved those names. I mean, they were kind of nostalgic, right? So I think there are some people that are like, oh... That's so weird. It's kind of nostalgic. I think in general, most people did not love them because they were odd. They were odd. Um, But now that they're gone, it seems like many people are like, well, what what are we? What do we do now? We need a name. We need a name. Exactly. They're like, we have no definition because we have no name. And so, you know, I have been kind of waiting for my ward to, you know, my ward clear up until probably the 31st of December kept saying... Beehive Laurel Maya made. You know, mm-hmm. there, there were no plans in the works. And then even after the first of the year, I remember getting an email for my daughter who was formerly a beehive. And it said, young women, I think it said 11 to 13. And then in parentheses, formerly beehives. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come on, when are we going to get on this bandwagon? So one of the young women advisors was over at my house and I asked her, I said, what are we doing in our ward for names? And she said, oh, we're, we're still trying to decide that the instruction that they had gotten, I can't remember if it was either from our bishop or from the stake, was that whatever they picked for a name, they wanted it to reflect and remind these girls that they were daughters of a king. So they were thinking about using some women from the scriptures and using like, um, Rachel, Rebecca, mm-hmm. um, oh, who's the other, um, Esther, Esther, Esther mm-hmm. and which I thought was a great idea because I thought you could put girls into those groups by that name. They could learn about that woman in the scripture. They could learn about her strengths and what she did and how she exemplified uh, the Lord and mm-hmm. Christ. And But it's nothing's gone on yet. Okay, that's very interesting because although I see the value, I definitely see the value yes. in learning about those people. I just can't imagine being like, are you a Rachel? <laughs> Come on, Rebecca's, get it together. I mean, it's... <laughs> Sounds, I don't know, it makes me laugh. Okay, it kind of sounds like that show. What's the show on? Um, oh, 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 it's on Hulu. Um, oh, now I can't think about it, or I can't think of it. Um, um, where they are, they're, they have, they've rounded up all the childbearing women who, and they're, they're surrogates oh. for all the, the, 
Oh, I can't believe Why we can't think of this. I've never watched it. You know the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I think, I think that they have, you know, they do. I think they have some names similar to that. Uh-huh. Uh, I can't believe I can't remember the name of that. The Rebecca's. I'm going to have to look that up the really Esther's. quick. Yeah, you have to look it up. I'm totally blank, okay. but I, I know what you're talking about. Okay. You continue to talk on okay. this topic while I look this so, up. So our, our young women's president in my ward said, you're supposed to just call them young women classes with their ages. Mm. That was the direction she received. Um, and so we did a little survey. Jeff put out a survey um, just asking people, what what are you doing? Because we were curious, like, what are other wards doing? We're only two wards. Yes, yes. Two wards in, in Idaho. We want to know what everybody else is exactly. doing. Exactly, exactly. So Jeff created this survey that went out. We got, I think, maybe like 65 yes. responses. He just did it a few days ago. And from what we can tell from the responses, most wards are just saying young women and then the ages, like yeah. young, young women, 11 to 13, young women, 14, 15, yeah. that kind of thing. And that's what our ward is doing. Our ward divided into four groups okay, because we have an exceptionally large number of 16-year-olds. Okay. okay. So tell so me we, how you divided this. So we have 11 to 13. We have 14 and 15. 16-year-olds are on their own. Okay. Um, and then 17 and 8-year-olds. 17 and 18 year olds. And that deals with the problem that they had, that they were having, which is that the 16 year olds, there were so many that it was making the classes lopsided. So, well, and what's funny is because before they let the 11 year olds come in, by the end of the year, you would have this huge group of beehives. Mm -hmm. And now what's happening is you have a huge group of laurels. They've just right. shifted where where the largeness occurs. But yeah, I think that's the first thing all wards have to tackle is how to divide the groups. And, you know, and wards are struggling with that. I mean, you have some wards, obviously, like your ward that are very large. My right. ward has, you know, probably 30, between 35 mm-hmm. and 40 young women. And then you've got other wards where they may have five young women. And so they have historically all been together. Right. They well, have and for them, nothing's going to change. Yeah, nothing's going to change And for we them. did get several survey responses yeah. saying, nothing's changed. We have yes. one young women's class and we still do. Yes. <laughs> so. But, you know, here, and, and here's where I'm kind of scratching my head, because I was under the impression when President Nelson spoke about this, that everybody was free to structure it however they wanted, that you didn't have to structure it by age groups. You could structure it. You could prayerfully pray about it and what was best for your young women and structure it that way. But apparently that is not the case because you pulled out handbook two. No, I pulled out handbook two because I remember my young woman present telling me when I was asking her how she was going to do this, um, she's a good friend of mine. I remember her telling me there were very specific instructions in okay. the handbook. And so I pulled it up to see because I was like, oh, what did it say? Um, and it does say in the handbook that young women classes should fit the number and ages of the young women in the ward. Um, all young women may meet in, together in one class or multiple classes divided by age group. An age group is all young women who will turn in age during a calendar year or years. Um an additional class should only be created when there are enough class members to make up a class presidency. So that was interesting. But then there's a whole separate section about um, adapting organization to local needs, which says, you know, you can adapt it when you need to. So, 
it's left me very confused. And apparently it has left our survey participants confused as well, because we had a lot of responses where they were like, well, first of all, a lot of wards wanted to um, keep them together by grades, because then you usually keep groups of friends together. Which I think has been... Uh, like dilemma in the church in the United States exactly for years because exactly in primary when I was primary president this was always a thing too like why can't we just put them with their grade yeah because they end up in a class when you go calendar year they end up in a class with some kids in different grades exactly but I think that's the trick with you know the worldwide church we well, can't exactly that's the problem right there is we we're can't a worldwide go by, church we can't go by school year but they could say, you know, do it locally and leave it yeah. up to the leaders. And maybe they will someday uh, let it like fully be up to like local. Then those in the United yeah. States that wanted to could go by school year. I don't know. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if this like tweaks a little bit over the years or if they keep it how it is. Yes. But Well, and some of the names that we got uh, on the survey, just to kind of let the listeners know, is we had junior girls and senior girls. All right. We asked people what they're calling their groups and their wards. And it seemed like most everybody was dividing it up by ages. Mm -hmm. And then, but even dividing it up by ages was confusing. Some people were like, we really need a name. Because if you think about it, if you have age 12 to 13, well, does that mean like, just 12 to 13, if you turn 14, do you go into the 14 to 15-year-old group? Which we know that's not the intent that you advance right. to the next group. But at least with a a name, you can say, I am in this A group for the next year. Right. Um, and we did have one who said they had the A group, the B group, the C group. Yeah, we had some that were going by numbers. Yes. One, young woman one, young woman two, young woman three. Uh, we had middle school and high school. Now, here's an interesting one. They had a 14U, which was everybody under 14, a 16U, which pr- would presumably be 16 to 16 14. and under? Or? 16 and under. And then an 18U. Mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting. They had a they had birth year groups. Like if you were born, they had young women 0607. So if you were born in those right. two years, you went into that group. <laughs> They had a youngest, middle, middle, oldest. Um, uh, one, one, one ward was still using Beehive Maya Made Laurel. They're like, yeah, we're not going to give it up. They've we're going to go old school. They've gone rogue. So, <laughs> so yeah. So there's lots of different names, but it definitely seems people are choosing to use the age groups, but which again is they're having a difficult adjustment to that because of the lack of structure. Um, some of our comments were, you know, they didn't like the older names, the Miamid, Laurel, Beehive, but the lack of names is confusing, Mm -hmm. makes the girls feel like they aren't advancing as, as the boys do. Um, when doing joint activities with the ironic priesthood, it was difficult to figure out which classification of girls to send, (laughs) which maybe that would be the case if you didn't have three groups, if you just had like a junior, senior. Or if you had kind of a funky split because you have one that's all 16-year-olds. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 
Hard, oh, this was interesting. This doesn't relate to the naming, but they said, harder to stay connected and relay information when we meet every other week. I send out a ton more text to people, but we're all getting used to it. Right. And I think that's really true. And too. this was the portion of the survey where we asked them, what are your concerns yes. about young women's? There were many people that said, no concerns. It's working great. Um, I noticed there were several that were concerned about getting the girls into the more of a leadership role, yes. which has always been a thing in young women. Yes. I remember when I was in young women, my leaders were encouraging us like to take things that, like this is you do yes. this. So this has been an, like an age old struggle, but the emphasis on it now, I think There's is a greater. much higher emphasis. And, and the church started emphasizing this probably four or five years ago, because my mm -hmm. husband's been in young men's and he's been doing this with the boys for probably four or five years, because I don't know if it was a talk or something that he heard that said it needed to be youth driven. Right Now, the biggest obstacle he has had is when other leaders have been in there with him and they do not get the youth-driven concept. And right. they're like, what do you mean we let them plan the activities? No, we tell them what the activities are. Right. Well, it's so hard. It's such a delicate balance. Uh-huh. Um, because you've got these kids who are learning and you have to yes. teach them. Yes. And they're not always going to come through for you. And that's no. just the way it is. They're learning and they're struggling and they're going to fail. And you have to be okay with that. And you have to let go of so much control. It reminds me so much of chores with your children. Like I give my children chores so they can learn. I don't give my children chores so the job can be done properly <laughs> or because it's easier because it is so much more work. <laughs> For me exactly. to have them do it than for me to just do it myself and do it right. So true. And that's exactly how it is um, when you're a leader in young women's. It is so much more work for you to teach the girls how to do it themselves than to just do it for them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm going to read just really quickly. We had an email that came out this week from our secretary in young women's mm -hmm. about what my ward had decided to do. And... um I was really kind of impressed. Uh -huh. So this is what it, you know, they talk about um, that, you know, we, when we say the girls are going to do everything from, you know, teaching lessons and planning activities, we really mean that. Uh -huh. And they say, we understand that our youth have many activities and responsibilities on their plate already, but the hope is that by letting them take the lead, even and even fail at times, that it will better prepare them for leadership roles in and out of the church which I really liked that, that they had the mindset of these girls are going to fail sometimes mm -hmm. and that's okay. Cause we're going to go learn from our failures. Right. So they were asking the parents for support in this, which I think is awesome because the parents do need to be supportive mm -hmm. because you can't just leave it all on the girl. You know, I, as a parent, if I know my daughter's teaching a lesson, you know, need to follow up with her and say, Hey, you know, what help from me do you need? Have mm -hmm. you thought about this? Um, but then my ward decided to break down the responsibilities, uh, for the, cl for the class president, the first counselor, second counselor, and the secretary. So they got into some really detailed stuff. So this is what they're going to do in my ward. Okay. Class president will be in charge of organizing the lessons for Sunday and the weekly activities. She will need to delegate to other members of her presidency and other youth as the need arises. She will need to schedule and lead planning meetings with her presidency. Mm. 
First counselor will oversee the lessons that are being taught, check in and remind class members when it's their turn to teach. She will keep the young women leaders informed on who is teaching. She will also be called to serve on the ward missionary committee. Now, I think that kind of mimics some of the responsibilities of the Relief Society first counselor. I was going to say, this sounds like the Relief Society breakdown. Exactly. One in charge of lessons, one in charge of activities. Exactly. Because the second counselor will oversee that Mutual is set up and organized. She will stay in contact with other youth who will be assigned to help or who are in charge of the activity. She will check in with young women leaders and keep them informed of activities and ask for help. She will also be called to serve on the Family History Committee. And then, of course, you know, they have the secretary send right. out weekly reminders and stuff. So I thought it was very interesting that they had chosen to outline these responsibilities mm-hmm. so that the girls and the parents clearly know yeah. this is the responsibility, this is what's expected, and to mirror what the Relief Society did. Yeah, I think that's really smart. You know, here's my only concern about this. Mm-hmm. I don't know how frequently they change class presidencies in your oh, ward. Oh, yes. They try to change <laughs> class presidencies about every every six months in my ward. Mm-hmm. So you figure, especially with church every other week, you know, you are four to six weeks into a new presidency before they're kind of even like yeah. the, the deer in the headlights has gone away. Right. And then, you know, you get them trained and maybe you got a couple of months of a really effective presidency and then they're out. Mm-hmm. And my concern was, you know, my priesthood calling of being the uh, ward family and <laughs> temple history leader Still have that calling? I still have my priesthood calling. Oh, my goodness. I know. And so we'll we'll just have to do a monthly update every month. Does Tiffany still have her priesthood calling? (laughs) Yeah. So one of the things, one of my priesthood responsibilities (laughs) is to hold meetings and coordinate with the various members of the different organizations as well as the youth. Uh Well, I'm going to get them there one or two times, and then they're going to be out. Right. And the problem is with the temple and family history, this isn't something you could just kind of slide in, pick it up, and then, you know, walk away. Uh It's complex. You know, I mean, the indexing part is easy, but learning how to search for names and baptism ready, et cetera, it's complex. So... Uh Again, I, I kind of wonder how that's going to work, but kudos to my ward yeah. for like setting some standards. Yeah. Sounds like they've got a good plan. So anyway, right. it was fun to see your comments on the survey. So thanks for those who took it and uh, it'll be interesting to see as the year goes on. Exactly. How it works out. All right. Should we talk about some news? Yes. All right. Um, first up, now the church is infas- is famous for what we like to call the Friday news drop, mm-hmm. which means at 10 o'clock Mountain Standard Time, the church goes, hits the send button, and press releases go out announcing changes. And they did one this last Friday on January 17th. And the changes were adjustments to the temple ceremonial clothing. And there is a letter that is signed by the First Presidency. And enclosed with the letter is a frequently asked questions with regards to how the temple ceremonial clothing will change. Uh, the purpose for this is to make it more simple, comfortable, and accessible. Um, what are the changes that are being made? It says, um, adjustments include a simpler design for the veil and robe, mm-hmm. removing the plastic insert from the cap the, and the tie from the cap and the veil, and using more durable fabric for the robe, cap, and sash so they last longer and are easier to care for. 
Now, I kind of thought this was interesting. First of all, none of the men like the little plastic insert yeah, in the cap. I'm sure they're happy about that. I've always thought the tie was kind of funny looking. So <laughs> glad to see that go. I hate the tie underneath the veil. So I'm totally fine with that. I'm going. really curious what the new veil will look like. We haven't seen pictures. No, or anything, we have, have not we? seen. We have not seen yeah, any. Pictures. I'm hoping it will be easier to get on. Yeah, and because yes, the, my veil never stays on. No, mine neither. And the, it's the tie that's the issue. Yes, it is the tie that's the issue mm-hmm. as to why it never stays on. Um, I also love the idea about them being easier to care for. Yes. They are ad- obnoxious to wash. <laughs> Mine don't get washed very often. It's 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 true. Not that they get that dirty. Well, I know. And, and that's why I thought it was interesting using more durable fabric. Uh-huh. I'm thinking to myself, well, um, I've had mine for 20 years and they, nothing is showing any signs of wear and that's tear. That's true. Mine are in good shape. They're just... Hard to wash. They get maybe so wrinkly. <laughs> maybe the fact that they don't show signs of wear and tear is a commentary on my temple attendance. Maybe. <laughs> anyway. Um, or step it up. <laughs> the new clothing will be available March 31st, 2020. You Nobody is required to purchase the new clothing. Um, you can wear your old clothing. Uh, you can... Um, uh, buy the new clothing. What's really interesting in the frequently asked questions is how to dispose of it. And they say, oh. destroy it by cutting it up so that the original use cannot be recognized. They say it should never be donated to a temple charity or thrift store, which I mean, I can understand the charity or thrift store. I was just surprised that you can't donate it to the temple, but apparently yeah. you can't donate it to the temple. That is interesting. So I predict there will be a run on new temple clothing. Come March, that's going to sell out in the United States. <laughs> so true. Just like the stretch cotton garments did. <laughs> All right. Okay. What's next? Oh, speaking of temples, we have a little update on Temple Square that the church just released in the past day or two. Uh, they released a bunch of pictures of the teardown. Which, if you haven't seen the pictures, click on the link that will be uh, that Jeff will put up with this podcast. Yeah. The pictures are amazing. It's really interesting. So we know, we all know the temple closed in December. It's going to be closed for four years. They're doing total revamp. We've, Jeff has talked about yes. this before, making it updated and earthquake safe. Um, so the, the pictures they released this week was them removing all of the statues. Um, Which they boxed up and put on a flatbed. They boxed up, put it on a big semi, and they're taking them to storage. They said each of them weighed 18,000 pounds. Wow. Um, also interesting in these pictures they released was they were tearing down the visitor center on the City Creek side yes, of the Yes, the temple. smaller visitor center. The smaller one. So they show actual bulldozers just ripping it apart, which was so weird to see. Well, I know. And like you could see a bulldozer, like it's got its front little bucket thing, like going for the glass yeah, windows. It's just like how crashing, s- crashing. How satisfying would that be to like, ooh, I get to destroy glass just for fun and get paid for it. <laughs> I know. It's super interesting. So anyway, that's that. They also were some pretty interesting pictures of the inside of the Salt Lake yes. Temple, uh, empty rooms. And then there were some rooms where just furniture all wrapped, wrapped up. up, boxed up, covered, ready to be taken yes. out. Uh, it was super interesting. I'm not, I've only been in that temple once, so I wasn't familiar enough to remember 
what it looked like with all the furniture, but it was very interesting to see it empty. Well, and I have to say, this is one of the questions I had when they announced that the temple would be closed for four years, is we know the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve frequently go to the temple and hold meetings together in the temple and receive inspiration in the temple. Where do they go for four years? They're going to have to go to Bountiful. It's not that far. Just <laughs> well, around I don't, the mountain. But is Bountiful set up? Does Bountiful have a room for him? How do they work this? I don't know. They get a private session. <laughs> they get whatever they want. Well, I'm sure they get whatever they want, but you know. <laughs> but that is I, a drive. Do they like get a shuttle to shuttle in there? I'm not worried about the drive. <laughs> I am just thinking about how temples are set up. And the Salt Lake Temple is set up for them to be able to have a room to do this. I can't see any other temple that I'm aware of that it would be, you know, that's other than like a pioneer era temple. None of the newer temples down there. Who's going to have a room they can go hang out in? They will have to receive inspiration in the Joseph Smith Memorial Building. Or perhaps there's a room somewhere that we just all don't know about because they were planning this for a while. And during one of their reconstructions, they were like, yeah. Give us a room there. We need. We're gonna. We're gonna need a backup place. I bet that's what happened. They have a secret, safe, special room. I bet they have a secret room. Okay. All right. So they also said. Um, I thought this was interesting. Although Temple Square is closed, they said they're going to have new guest experiences in the conference center, whatever oh. that means. And it did say that eventually there will be in the future exhibits available in the conference center, including artifacts from the temple. Oh, I wonder what that is. That is very intriguing. Brigham era artifacts or like 1970s temple artifacts. I'm going to fall into the category of, I think it would be Brigham era artifacts (laughs) because really who who wants to see the seventies? So if you can remember it, it's not an artifact. Yes. I'm very curious about what these artifacts on display will be. Okay. We'll have to figure that out when it comes. All right. Our next story is an error in the printed LDS church manual could revive racial criticisms. Now, this, this is kind of, this is kind of mind blowing that this happened. It is. So, um, as we all know, we are studying the Book of Mormon this year and we have the Come Follow Me manual. And you can either use the Come Follow Me manual in one of two ways. There is a hard copy that Many wards have passed out to their members. And then, of course, there is a digital copy. Well, in the hard copy, they made a printing error. And that printing error in the hard copy um, basically said that, yeah, those Lamanites with their dark skin, that's because they were cursed. They put an old quote in there from Joseph Fielding Smith that we don't, as a church, use anymore. Yes. But it made it into the manual. And it was a quote about the the skin color and the curse of the Lamanites and the, the curse being the yes. dark skin color. And it made it into the printed version. Yes. And by the time it came to the church's attention, they'd already printed the manuals up. And so they tweaked it for the online version. And the online version says that... Um, Basically, it says prophets affirm in our day that dark skin is not a sign of uh, divine disfavor or cursing. And they go through and 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 clarify that. that. Right. They clarify the the actual curse on the Lamanites was being cut off from God. Yes. It had nothing to do with the skin. 
But this made it in the manual and... And it has caused some... Nobody knows how this got past all the... I'm sure this is proofread a thousand times. Yeah. And so you just wonder when it's proofread, you know, is it being proofread by somebody of a generation who would read that and it wouldn't dawn on them because they grew up with that, that that was racially offensive and we no longer have that stance. It's so familiar. It's so familiar. Maybe they haven't read the essays yeah, the church put out recently. I don't know. I don't know. But it's really interesting because they quote a couple of different people and somebody that they quote is a Jerry Harwell, uh, who was an associate professor at the Salt Lake Community College. And she says, the money that would have been lost on this is nothing compared to one day's interest on the hundred billion dollars in the church's reserve. I think it's kind of interesting now whenever the church makes a misstep, that hundred billion that the Washington Post claims they have kind of just gets thrown around of they've got billions and billions of dollars. What's the problem here? They should retract all those manuals and print new ones. Yeah. That's gonna that's gonna bite us in the butt. Anyway, <laughs> so but you know what? I mean again it's it's probably an interesting discussion to to bring up and reinforce mm-hmm. that um that is the the church's enlightened stance because you know as you as you know better you do better right um is that uh dark skin is not a curse right and someone another expert that they quoted in the article had said you know at least they changed they changed it very very quickly online yes. unfortunately they didn't change it in the print but he was like heartened that they yes. changed it online very quickly um but yeah a lot of people were pretty upset about it yep so all righty it's a bummer it's a bummer so yes as you're going through that lesson in your come follow me uh don't refer to the hard copy go oh we have to go to the digital version of this yes all right all right uh next story we have this one was just super interesting to me it it's a oh i don't know where did we find this one Deseret News or Salt Lake Tribune. I thought it was LDS Living. Oh, maybe it was LDS Living, this one. This was about a human trafficking incident involving a member of the church uh, who lives, who's currently living in Utah. Just a super interesting story. So this woman, her name is Belle Barbu. Barbu? Yeah, Belle yeah, Barbu. I think that's how you'd pronounce um, it. She was born in Romania and was adopted, brand new, newborn, and raised by a family in Wisconsin. Her tie to the church is that when she was a teenager, she joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and then she went on to serve a mission in Oregon. Sounds like she's still an active member of the Mm -hmm. church. The problem was, and she always knew that she was adopted and that she came from Romania. Well, she started doing the DNA thing as she became older to find her family, her biological family. Ooh, DNA. We always love those DNA finds. <laughs> we do like a DNA story. So when once she found her family, she discovered a very dark history in her adoption. So when she was born in Romania, the doctors falsely informed her parents that she had a heart condition and told her parents that they needed to leave her at the hospital for a few days and come back and get her a few days later. Uh, so they did this. They were, you know, poor farmers, she said. They didn't know. I mean, obviously, they were going to do what the doctors said. No alarms went off. They came back a few days later, and the doctors told her that their baby had died. I can't even imagine. And so sorry. Well, they found out from somebody else at the hospital 
um, they found out later, they think it was maybe a nurse that worked at the hospital, the truth, and that the truth was that the doctors had collaborated with an orphanage to sell the baby. So, um, so they knew this, like it wasn't years and years before they found this out. They found this out after the baby was already gone. Yeah. The baby okay. was already gone. They found this out that this, the doctors had sold the baby to an orphanage to later be adopted to the United States. Wow. To a family in the United States. So, of course, they were devastated. It says in the articles they prayed for years and years that they would be able to find her. Um, so she found this out and, of course, was heartbroken. I guess she is currently estranged from her adopted family okay. in the United States. Didn't say why. I don't think yeah. it, ha- it didn't have anything to do with this. I don't think that they knew. Yeah. Um, so anyway, she got involved with Operation Underground Rail- Railroad, which is a big organization in Utah uh, started by Tim Ballard and they help with human trafficking. They try to help save, save people from human trafficking. And it says that uh, they have last October, they hit the 3000 mark. Wow. Saved their 3000 person from human trafficking. Anyway, so she Notified Underground Railroad that this had happened. They took on her case. Um, she wanted to go meet her biological family. They live in Italy now. So she went to go meet the biological family. Underground Railroad uh, helped pay for her. She had a sister who was in Germany who, okay. could, who couldn't afford to come. Anyway, they helped fund this reuniting with her family, which I thought was really cool. Um I didn't think about them, you know, you think about them putting money to save people from trafficking, but apparently yeah. they also donate money to help reunite. So oh. I thought that was really cool. So she got to go and meet her family. They don't speak English. So there was a translator. I was going to say, <laughs> but there were many tears and hopefully they can start to build a relationship. Wow. Isn't that just the saddest story? It, it is the saddest story. It's, it's, it, makes me sick that this happens and you know what a good organization this operation underground railroad i think has gone viral it's pretty big about what they're doing and they've gotten a lot of support a lot of donations so hopefully they keep doing their good work okay all right our next story is mckenna dennison Um, If her name sounds familiar, we have talked about her before. She is the individual who is suing the church over an incident that happened in the 80s. She was a missionary in the MTC during the 1980s. And um, this gentleman by the name with the last name of Bishop, ironically enough, uh, who was her priesthood leader at the MTC, um, touched her inappropriately there. We talked about this story. When did this come out? Was it last spring? Oh, yeah. It was. It was. It was last year when it came out. Maybe around this time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and and he, she says he raped her. He denies raping her. Does admit that he touched her. Um, and so she is suing the church essentially for um, covering up this, covering up his bad behavior. Mm-hmm. And so. Her first set of her last set of attorneys, at least, 
ended up uh, saying, withdrawing from the case, saying we're not going to represent you anymore. Right. And now, we don't know why? We don't know why. There's been no information as to why. So she's currently um, representing herself, and her lawsuit's been in limbo because her lawyers actually quit last May. Mm-hmm. And so she shows up in court in front of the judge, and she's asking the judge all sorts of things like, you know, if I dismiss this, can I refile if I found find X, Y, and Z. And the judge, which he has to do, he has to say, look, I am not a lawyer. I cannot advise you. I cannot answer these questions for you. So he gave her either two weeks to uh, either file a motion to dismiss the case, expressed interest in mediation, or decide to go forward with trial. So um, she's going to have to be making Mm. a choice here pretty soon. And that was just recently. That was just recently. Mm -hmm. And um, she's had kind of a series of bizarre behavior. And I'm not saying that that justifies what the gentleman, uh, brother Bishop did to her while she was in the MTC. But as a lawyer, it makes a difficult client. It makes for a difficult case. If your client is losing credibility Mm -hmm. by engaging in things that are, um, don't, don't look good for your client. Right. I think she had, she'd made some other false fraud claims and some mm. things like that. So, so your speculation <clears> is maybe they dropped it because they felt like they couldn't win with. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. or here's, here's probably what it was. They were probably advising her, this is what you need to do. And she was refusing to listen to their advice mm-hmm. because as a lawyer, you can fire your client if you're giving your client advice and your client is refusing to listen or take the advice that you feel is in their best interest. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I have a hard time. She must. I'm thinking that the case is not very strong because if the case were strong, another lawyer would pick it up just like that because they're seeing, they're seeing that hundred billion that the Washington post says the church has (laughs) cha-ching to cha-ching. Um, so I'm thinking there are probably multiple problems with her case Mm. and being able to prove the elements of her case, which is why no other lawyer is willing to step up. So, um, she did say she's interested in going to mediation the problem is, is if the church has her over a barrel, there's not a whole lot to mediate. Right. Um, she's going to need an attorney. And she's going to need an attorney that. because mm. she's in federal court. And um, I want to do everything in my power to stay out of federal court. They have no sense of humor in federal court whatsoever. <laughs> Never go to federal court. It's ne- in the, in, it does not end well. All right. Noted. Noted. <laughs> okay. Next story. This one's just a funny one. Um I don't know how many people saw this. I saw this floating around Facebook and I think I see even it was even on the Today Show last week. Uh, this guy who is LDS got trapped inside a 24 hour fitness in Sandy, Utah. And I think it went viral because so he's at this 24 hour uh-huh. fitness. Well, supposedly 24 hour fitness. <laughs> it uh, wasn't so 24 hour. The swim- name was very misleading. Swimming at 2.30 a.m. on a Sunday. Nobody knows why in the world anyone would be swimming at 2.30 a.m. on a Sunday. That sounds horrible to me. But he was doing it. New Year's goals, right? New Year's goals. Gotta get my swim in. (laughs) They locked it up because apparently they are only open 20 hours a day on weekends because it's slower on weekends. But he did not know this. Uh, so they locked it up. He got locked inside while I, he was in the pool. He gets out of the pool, changes, and cannot get out of the building. So then he starts posting like Facebook photos, and yeah. that's where it went viral because he's posting like these funny 
photos of yeah. him with funny faces in the gym saying, I thought my 24-hour fitness was 24-hour fitness. <laughs> Apparently, it's a 20-hour fitness. On Saturday night. <laughs> yes. So it went viral. And then um, he had to call the police to come and open the door. Sandy yes. police came, helped him get out. It was funny. He said that after he called the police, he called his wife. And she was like, well, find a place to sleep. <laughs> Have a good night. <laughs> anyway, well, but the also funny thing was, I guess his son's mission farewell was the next day on Sunday. And so this article, this recap that we're looking at was one from LDS Living. So, of course, the headline on LDS Living was, El Latter-day Saint trapped inside 24-hour fitness escapes in time for his son's missionary farewell. <laughs> well, and I'm thinking to myself, okay. I'm glad I'm not the Saturday night 24-hour fitness employee because I'm guessing there's a protocol to make sure your gym is empty. And one of those protocols might be checking the swimming pool. I mean, it's not like the dude was hiding out right. in a corner, you know, trying not to be detected. He's swimming laps in your pool and you don't see that. Yeah, it's funny. Um, could be a potential unemployment claim. <laughs> Anyway, so that was funny. And then also, if you want a good laugh, there is Salt Lake Tribune did an article on there is a website very similar to The Onion, which posts like fake funny. The Onion is very satirical for those yes. of you who don't know. Fake it, news. You you hear an Onion headline, it sounds real, but it's not really right. real. So there is a knockoff of the Onion website now dedicated to all things Provo and BYU. And it was created by BYU students a couple of years ago. It was created by a guy named Stephen Fortuna. Um, started it a few years ago. It's this website all set up to look just like, you know, a newspaper website. And okay, but funny tell headlines. them the name of the website because the name of the website oh, right. is funny. The name of the website is a spoof on BYU's newspaper. If you attend to BYU, you are familiar with the Daily Universe. Yes. So the name of the website is the Alternate Universe <laughs> because not only is it a spin on the Daily Universe, but is a nod to the weirdness that is Provo. <laughs> It is an alternate universe. It it really is. So. And so go read some of their articles. They were hilarious. There was one on there that talked about how BYU is is buying the corner Starbucks to stave off caffeine from infiltrating campus. Yeah, it was funny. So go there if you want a good laugh and some good wholesome fake news that will not harm anyone. Very true. <laughs> All right. And then to wrap it up this week, and we don't have a link to this, um, but I just happened to see it online. Um, for many of you, you probably know that the Jeopardy Tournament of Champions was going on with none other than Ken Jennings, who is a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And uh, just a little bit of trivia, uh, he served a mission with our brother. Did you know he, he did? He did. He was I did in, not know that. Yes. He was in the same mission with Jaren. Oh, you have to ask him about Spain. it sometime. In oh. Spain. They were never companions. They were just in the same mission together. We should get Jaren on here sometime to share his insights <laughs> as to what he thought of Ken. Because he shared them with me, but... Um, I could not do I could not do it justice. It needs you need to hear it straight from his well, mouth. Well, I cannot believe I didn't know this. I'm gonna have to ask him. Anyway, so Tournament of Champions and the winner is drumroll. 
Ken Jennings. So it is now official. He is the overall greatest of greatest all of all time Jeopardy champion. So, so exciting. I don't know how much money he earned, but I do recall after he initially won that uh, he went he went on the speaking circuit and he's made a ton of money on the speaking circuit. Oh yeah. I'm sure he's rich. Well, and um, I saw an article somewhere. They were talking about the three winners and what they did with their with their money. And I guess Ken Jennings and his wife own four different properties in Utah. So he's apparently taken his earnings and invested them in real estate. Mm. So um, Very smart. now he has more earnings to invest in real estate and can probably command a higher speaking fee. Good for him. All right. Now is our section Mormons Behaving Badly. And really, we don't have anything in the last week where Mormons have behaved badly, but we do have kind of an update to one of the stories that we've talked about in the past about Mormons behaving badly. You may recall there was an Arizona official who was also a lawyer. His name was Paul uh, D. Peterson, and he was trafficking um, women to come oh, to America right. to have babies. Right. I remember that. And guy. he is an elected official down in Arizona. I believe he was some sort of an assessor. Well, he decided he needed to resign his job in lieu of, you know, all of the all of the charges he was currently facing. He hadn't already like no. No. Resigned or been kicked out? No. He, I mean, that was like if like many months ago, it, wasn't it? It was. But here's the problem. Once you're an elected official, you're elected, you know? I mean, only the people can really kick you out. Oh. And so- That's true. Um, I guess you have to resign on your own. Yeah, oh. you, have to, you have to resign on your own. You can't impeach an assessor? Well, I suppose you probably <laughs> could impeach an assessor. Um, but for whatever reason, the citizens of Arizona did not take any action- to uh, actively remove him from office. Okay. And so he well, did recently resign. He must have felt the pressure eventually. So he can, mm-hmm. you know, focus more time and attention on his legal defenses to his uh, to his alleged uh, trafficking in humans for adoption purposes. Yikes. Okay. All right. Favorite right. things. Favorite things. I will go first. So <laughs> my favorite thing I'm going to share this month is related to... The Royals. Oh, good. So is mine. Oh, this <laughs> might be very polarizing because that's so funny that we're both. Just- I know. I had no idea. We, we never share our favorite things in advance. We're always just kind of surprised. I think the Royals are very polarizing. You either do not understand it and want nothing to do with it, or you're super interested. Yes. I fall in the super interested oh, category. Oh, I so fall in the super interested I'm category. I'm obsessive. I don't consider myself obsessive, but I'm just... Kind of fascinated. And I think why I'm fascinated is because it's like this old ancient thing that's still happening. And sure. I can tell you this, if I lived in the UK and my tax money was going to it, I'd be hecka mad. <laughs> but I don't. I live here. So I can watch on the outside and be like, well, this is interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, not that we don't. Yeah. We yeah. obviously have our share of yeah. frivolous things our tax money goes yeah. to. But I'm just interested in it. So I have two sources that are great for getting information okay. on the Royals, okay. should you choose to follow. Uh, one is a podcast called Pod Save the Queen. Oh, yes. I have listened to Pod Save the Queen. Uh, they, it's, it's is good. It, is, that, is that the one BBC does or is it the other one BBC does? Um, oh, I can't remember if that's the BBC one. I think it's the BBC one. I can't remember. Anyway, but, but the, it, the beauty of it is 
they speak in an English yeah. accent. They're legit. They're they're yeah. from they're from the UK. Yeah, <laughs> so. they're from the motherland, and we can say that England is our motherland because I did the DNA test, and we pretty much know you and I share the same DNA because we share a brain. Well, maybe that's why we're fascinated. I with think that's it. why we're fascinated because, like, my biggest percentage of DNA was Great Britain. It was something like I don't know, 46 percent. Oh, there you go. So now it all makes sense. Okay, now it all makes sense. So Pod Save the Queen. If you want a really good podcast to get the information from. And the other one is an Instagram account that I love. My friend Stephanie told me about it. Her name is E. Holmes. If you look up on Instagram, E. Holmes. Her real name is Elizabeth Holmes. She is not the Elizabeth Holmes who got in trouble for Theranos company. Yes, please don't confuse the two. <laughs> she is E. Holmes. She's an American. She is a journalist um, and just has the past few years, like super, super specialized in focusing on the Royals. And she is fun because she loves the fashion. So she gives a lot of information and background on the fashion and and, commentary and commentary. And then she just, um, she just knows a lot. So she gives a lot of extra fun information. If you would like to follow her account. Excellent. What do you have? Well, as as I said, I too am obsessed with the royals, both both current royals and past royals. So um, many of you have probably watched the Netflix series The Crown. Yes, it just they just released season three in November. They've had season one and season two, and then season three kind of starts in the early sixties and goes through about the mid seventies, mm-hmm. so to speak. And um, I have been obsessed with the Netflix series. It's it's so good. Um, I haven't liked season three as much as I liked season one and season two, mm-hmm. but I still liked season three. Well, I discovered in season three, Netflix decided they'd come out with a little podcast oh. to recap each episode of The Crown. And so Netflix has a podcast called The Crown, the official podcast. And so I have downloaded it. They have an episode, a podcast episode for every episode they aired, um, plus a bonus episode. Oh, starting and with season one? No, just with season just three. Just with season three. Just okay. with season three. And so just with season three. But it's really interesting because they talk to the actors, the directors, the writers. And so they're talking about how they're putting things together for that episode. But then they're also going into a little more depth about the history behind that episode. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a big fan of The Crown and you are a big fan of podcasts, this is a great listen. Each episode is about 35 to 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. So it's not a huge commitment. Okay. And just fun to listen to. Oh, how fun. Yeah. Okay, that's so funny. We both picked. I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And too bad we're running out of time. We could delve into Harry and Meghan, but we will not. I'm sure Jeff would just love it if we did that. Oh, yeah. About (laughs) as much as he's going to love when we start delving into Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for us tonight. Twim Nation, thank you so much for listening to us. And uh, as always, you can find This Weekend Mormons on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And if you have any questions, you can email at contact at thisweekendmormons.com. And finally, if you really, really like us, pledge a dollar a month. Just one Diet Coke a day to Patreon to help us That's keep the lights right. on. Or write a review. Oh, yes. You could always write an Apple uh, podcast review. We love that as well. So thank you very much and good night. See you next time. You only know what I want you to know.
Your mouth is poisoned. 